0: hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the you're so quiet podcast as always i'm your introverted host chelsea brown so how have you guys been holding up okay i'll tell you what the last week and a half for me have been an absolute waking nightmare but before i get into that. If you don't feel like listening to the intro full of my life update and frankly amazing reviews, I'll put the time code in the show notes where the main content starts. So this week we'll be talking about our greatest fears. Very excited to get into it. But if you want to skip this intro part, go ahead and check that out. Otherwise, buckle up because it has been a ride the last couple weeks. So to start out with, I usually record these episodes a week in advance just to kind of give myself that, you know, little breathing room to go ahead and edit it and make sure it's up to the quality that I want to give you guys. But for the last two weeks, the house behind mine has been getting demolished and rebuilt. So back in May, it actually burned to the ground. It was absolutely wild. Um, everybody got out okay. All the, the people that live there got out okay. Unfortunately, they did lose their, their animals, but all the humans got out and they're finally able to start the demo and rebuild of their house, which is amazing, but also like kind of annoying for me because I'm trying to give you decent audio quality for these episodes and I can't actually do that if there's like a jackhammer in the background. So I'm recording this right now when I think the workers are on a lunch break. So if you hear construction in the background, no you didn't. Just ignore it. I'm doing my best out here. So before that, uh, end of July, a really close friend of mine um, actually passed away. He had been struggling with cancer for actually a couple years. It was in remission, And then a few months ago, it just came back with a vengeance, right? So he did the treatment before that had worked and put him into remission the first time. And it looked really promising. But unfortunately, it didn't, um, you know, it just didn't, it didn't work this time. So he did end up passing away. Uh, we were able to go see him a couple weeks prior, and he was he was really thin. You know, it was it was hard to see him that way. He wasn't himself, but I'm really glad that we got to see him and you know say everything that you want to say to somebody when you know that the end is coming. So I'm I'm grateful that we got to do that. I'm grateful that I knew him. He was an amazing amazing human. Just truly one of the kindest people I know. You know, those people that will truly go out of their way to help you. He was that dude. So, yeah, it's really a loss that I've been I've been really feeling. He's one of my best friends. So, for a week after he passed, I wasn't able to sleep. I slept maybe two or three hours a night just lying awake. Just high anxiety, you know. And I couldn't really eat anything because the thought of food just really disgusted me <laughs> at the time. So I ended up losing like four or five pounds in a week, which is not not the move that I'm really going for. I I'm fine with where my body is, and I certainly don't want to lose weight like that. So eventually, after a week of barely eating, barely sleeping, my body reached a breaking point where I was it was just like dude, we gotta sleep. Right? I understand that you're, you're anxious and you're having trouble, but we gotta sleep. So I just reached a point of exhaustion where I just ended up finally sleeping like eight hours. And ironically, after I slept, I felt better physically, I felt better emotionally, and I was like better equipped to, to deal with this grief, I feel. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been tough. I feel like I'm operating at like 80% right now. I'm not really as productive as I usually am or as I usually like to be, but you know, we're doing what we can with what we have and what we have is 80%. So that is what it is. So while I couldn't sleep, I was like busting my way through book after book. I read two Two books by Colleen Hoover. The first one was Verity and the second one was Layla. Verity was about a struggling writer who accepts the job offer of a lifetime, right? There's a really famous, really successful author who was in an accident and couldn't complete her novel series. She was catatonic, right? And her husband hired the main character to finish the story and she goes to the author's house to you know go through her notes and see if she had any outlines and learn the characters and whatever and while she's there some weird stuff happens so that one I thought was fantastic five stars from me I would totally recommend that if you're looking for like a thriller type book Layla was Unexpected. I finished Verity, and I saw Layla by the same author on Kindle Unlimited, so it was free for me. I was like, okay, well, I really liked Verity, so I'll read Layla too. I didn't read the description, which maybe <laughs> maybe I should have. But Layla was about a couple. They meet in the beginning. They go through a really traumatic event together. The girl the ma- one of the main characters is injured she has a brain injury she's not quite herself for a long time they go to the bed and breakfast where they met and some weird paranormal stuff starts happening so i was not expecting a ghost story right i love i love a good ghost story so it was actually a nice surprise but throughout the book there's like twist after twist after twist after twist And if that's your cup of tea, you're going to love Layla. For me, it felt more like the author was trying to reach a word count, which hmm, I would rather have a shorter book than a book where you just throw everything at it, but the kitchen sink. That's not really my jam. So I would say four out of five stars because I actually did finish it in like two or three days. And it was a compelling read, but just that, that twist after twist after, I mean, eventually I'm getting whiplash, right? So I finished that and I was really feeling like I wanted something paranormal. So I finally picked up The Shining. We all know what The Shining is about. Stephen King, they go to the Overlook Hotel, little kid has special abilities, they call it The Shining, you can see the ghosts what I was not expecting myself to do I have a physical copy like an actual paperback of The Shining I started reading it and I actually went on my Kindle and ordered the Kindle version instead I don't know what's happening to me I used to hate ebooks but this time I actually chose an ebook over a paperback I love a good paperback. It's not super big, so it's not really hard to hold or anything. I don't know. But The Shining, it's a good book, but I will tell you this. The book and the movie, to me, granted, I'm 60% of the way through. I would not even think that they're the same story. The movie is dramatically different than the book. The book, I feel, has far more sympathetic characters. It has more backstory, of course, all books do. But it just feels like a completely different story. And frankly, a story I like better than the movie. So I'm interested to see kind of how they get from the book to the movie. Maybe it'll come clear in the last, I don't know, 40%. But right now, I'm like, I think this is like loosely based on the book so it's still it's a good book I would recommend it so far but I'm also a little biased I'm definitely a Stephen King fan so take that with a grain of salt I am also watching the UK version of Love Island I actually really prefer it to the US version right now the US version is current and actually currently happening but I find myself going to the UK version and getting caught up on their episodes instead of watching the new episodes of the US version. I just like the people better, to be perfectly honest with you. And the UK version is a little bit more like, I would say, rated M for mature. There's far more language. I don't, they only bleep out very, very few words. The F word, they don't, which I, I mean, I'm not really squeamish when it comes to language, so other people might be. Maybe that's why we do it in the U.S. But I'm, I'm really liking the U.K. version. So I recommend that if you're, if you're looking for some solid trash TV, that's the move. I would do the U.K. version of Love Island. It is available on Hulu, all of the episodes of Season 7 so far. I... I did get a recommendation to watch the new Suicide Squad movie. I didn't even watch the one before that. I'm not really a DC person. So maybe it's lost on me. There was someone who said that they they cried at the end. I did not even feel emotional at the I don't know. Maybe I'm broken. But I'm definitely more of a Marvel person, so for me, it didn't really resonate with me, but I think if you're a DC fan and you follow these superheroes, I think that that could be a good movie for you, but for me, it was a miss. I would skip it. This week, I wanted to talk about our greatest fears. I experienced one of mine just a few weeks ago with losing a close friend of mine. So I thought it'd be something interesting to talk about. I put a poll out on Instagram asking people what their greatest fears are. If you're not following me on Instagram, following the podcast rather, you are missing out. It's at Your So Quiet Pod. My stories on that account are absolute fire. You are welcome. Okay definitely follow the podcast. I will be doing more of these types of episodes with some like audience interaction because I think those are fun and I love to hear from you guys. So go follow the podcast, You're So Quiet Pod. Y-O-U-R-E, So Quiet Pod. Anyway, greatest fears. The purpose of fear, just biologically, is to make sure we survive, right? So if you're afraid of drowning or of heights, or even spiders. Those are things that can kill you, right? So your brain is just like, hey, dude, these are, these are dangerous things. Stay away from that. In the poll, I saw people afraid of spiders and snakes, drowning, suffocation, things like that, like things that could obviously kill you. And to me, those are very rational fears. Even though some people say fear of spiders is irrational, I don't think so. They're scary. They're poisonous. I'm good. But I also noticed that things like fear of abandonment, fear of being alone, fear of death of your loved ones or your spouse, those were also mentioned a couple times. And frankly, those are ones that I can relate to. I definitely have a fear of abandonment. And that's really not something that helps me survive. I guess if you think about it in terms of ancient humans, right? When we were living in packs and hunter-gatherers and whatever, if you were abandoned by your human pack... You would die, right? You could not survive either the elements, even finding food for yourself if you were to become injured. That would be death. But right now, me being afraid of abandonment literally does not help me survive at all. In fact, it makes survival harder for me, right? Because I'm constantly afraid. Of letting people into my life because then what if they leave? Right? I'm afraid of them leaving. And I mean, we could totally get into it's because of your childhood trauma, and like, sure, I'm definitely, I agree with you. But I also feel like it's just not a helpful fear for me right now. I don't know. I think a more specific way of thinking about fear, maybe a more helpful way is that fear is your brain trying to help you avoid pain. So if someone leaves me, that's painful, very painful. So my brain is like, let's be afraid of that because that really hurts and we're not gonna do that. However, (laughs) I think it would be really cool if I could just update the software in my brain to 2021 status because let me tell you this stuff really gets in the way of my life so for example when i first started dating my husband when we first moved in together i mean i was convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that this dude did not actually want me even though he invited me to live with him we told each other we loved each other like, all the evidence is there that he likes me, he loves me, he wants me here. Yet, every time we would get in some, like, stupid argument over something really dumb, not even anything serious, I would ask him, do you want me to leave? Because in my brain, I'm, I am convinced that eventually the answer is going to be yes, because I am too much or too emotional, too sensitive, not what he wants, not pretty enough, not skinny enough, whatever, right? Just general insecurity. But I was convinced that this person didn't want me and I wanted to get ahead of this. So if he didn't want me, I didn't want to be blindsided by this. And me constantly asking this question really did put a strain on our relationship. Because he, I I mean, I don't blame him. He would take it like, well, she's asking me this. Does she not want to be here and she's just looking for an out? And That wasn't it at all. That's just me being extraordinarily insecure. But I mean, what can you do about it? What you can do about it is you can go to therapy and get help with your problems, which is what I did. And... We were actually talking about it a few months ago, I think. We were talking about how, how much I have changed since we started dating, how much more secure I am, how much less anxious I am, and how beneficial that's been for us. Because if I had not gone and sought therapy and kind of dealt with these demons, I don't think that I would be here today. I don't think that we would have gotten married I actually asked him to marry me, and that was in um, 2016. But three years prior to that, in 2013, when we started dating, I wouldn't have done that. I would have been so convinced that he would have said no, that I wouldn't have done it. So, I mean, personally, (laughs) this fear, really a drag because it it does come it does come up for me especially with my friend having passed away and this is the second really close friend in 3 years to have passed away for some reason my brain really associates people dying with being abandoned so that makes it really hard for me to even get close to anybody because i'm like oh my god are you going to leave me or are you going to die on me? So, it's a little dark, but it's true. So, I'm really afraid of, for example, my husband passing away. I really stay on top of making sure our doctor's appointments and stuff are taken care of. But, um, yeah, it's not really something I can... It's something I can work through and I can talk about in therapy. But... It's not something that I feel is going away. So it's just, for me, a reminder that, you know what, we, we all die, right? That's, that's a fact of life. But it's important to value the people that you do have in your life for the time that you do have them. I said in an essay, I think I mentioned it maybe three episodes ago, that grief is the price you pay. For the privilege of having loved somebody. I do think loving people is a privilege because that person lets you into their life. Right? They let you in so that you're able to grow to love them. And I think that's, I do think that's a privilege. And I think it's special. I think it's something that we really do take for granted. That, oh, I just love them. Like, no, it's that's really huge for me is loving somebody and really caring about somebody. And it could also be because I'm so introverted that any friendship, any close friendship that I have, it does take energy, right? And I I give so much of myself to my really close friends. That if I am abandoned, if they decide they don't want to be friends with me anymore, or if they do die, like that is such a huge loss for me. But it is a privilege that I'm able to do those things with those people, that I'm able to give that much of myself and make that person feel loved and cared about. So anyway, <laughs> moving, moving past my trauma, let's talk about irrational fears, like fear of the dentist or fear of public speaking which is something that i definitely relate to as well we know that these things logically are fine i'm not gonna die if i speak in public period but our brains are like absolutely not we cannot do that so much anxiety this isn't gonna work anxiety can create a fear or a phobia out of something that's so mundane. Take driving, for example. I did not drive anywhere during COVID quarantine. And because of that, when I I started going to tennis matches again, I would have to drive to the match. And I had such intense stress. I would, I would feel sick to my stomach, I would feel shaky and sweaty, and as soon as I'm like driving in the car, I'm totally fine. I know how to drive a car, I've been driving a car for over 10 years, I know how to do this, I can't parallel park, I cannot do that, but I can drive a car, but I'll be stressed the whole day leading up to driving, and it's so, it's so stupid, it's not helpful, I have to go to these tennis matches. I can't... I mean, I guess technically I don't have to go. It's a hobby. But I would feel horrible calling my captain and being like, hey, um, so I'm stressed about driving to this match and I'm just not going to show up. Yeah, yeah, okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. No, that, that's not okay. And what about fear of the dark, right? Okay, so this is something that we'll say most people grow out of i would say i did not grow out of it and i will tell you why i grew up truly on horror movies my mom is a huge horror movie fan the scarier the better the classics like nightmare on elm street friday the 13th all the way to like the conjuring series i love them They're so freaking scary, but I love them, it's great. But I also have a very active imagination, which is great for like writing a horror book, which I'm doing right now. But while I'm walking through my house at night, turn off the TV, I'm going to bed, and my brain is like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if like a demon jumped out from around the corner? That's not cool. And it's not even just like the words. Right. Some people think only in words. Some people think in pictures. I kind of think both. So while I'm having that, man, wouldn't it be crazy? Thought, I'm literally visualizing what this creature would look like, which is horrifying, because at that point, it's, it's like reality. Like this feels like it's really happening to me. So I always, when I'm walking through the house at night, nine times out of ten, I have my phone flashlight on and is it embarrassing maybe a little bit but you know what i think that an active imagination like that makes me be able to create these really visceral scary stories or even just stories that make you feel something i can really convey emotion really well which i think is good but at what cost right so how do we get over our fears I did some quick research and it was like, expose yourself to your fear. And that just sounds like terrible, especially for fear of abandonment. No, thank you, hard pass. And I feel like for some fears, it would just reinforce the fear. If I'm afraid of spiders, for example, and I expose myself to spiders. Spiders are kind of creepy, right? And what if, I'm exposing myself to a spider that's poisonous, and I get bit, and maybe it's one of those really poisonous spiders, and I have flesh dying. That's not cool. I don't wanna do that. So pass from me. But I also saw some stuff about reframing how you think about your fear. So let's take, again, my own personal trauma, My fear of abandonment. Was it stuff that happened when I was a kid? How is this fear helping me now? I'm not gonna say that if it's not helping you, just let it go because that's garbage advice in my opinion. Oh, you're stressed, just stop being stressed. Oh, thank you, I'm cured. No, goodbye. But I think for me at least, it can be helpful to tell myself, okay, so you're afraid of driving, great. You've never been in a serious car accident in 10 years of driving. You're a very cautious driver. What's the likelihood that you're going to get in a crazy accident right now? I know it's not zero. I know it's not. But knowing that the fear has never come to fruition is something that's helpful for me. I do think that there are like ghosts and spirits or whatever out there in the dark. And I've had some creepy experiences in this house that reinforce that which maybe I'll talk about on a future episode because Halloween is coming up and that is my, honest to goodness, favorite holiday. I want one of those 12-foot skeletons for my house for no reason. But yeah, knowing that the fear has never happened actually does... In a weird way kind of soothe my anxiety enough for me to just kind of move on with my day and maybe that'll be helpful for you too when i was i was really depressed back in the day like, like 10 years ago i was really really depressed and i would have these crazy intrusive thoughts like for example i would visualize myself tripping and falling as i'm walking along like a busy street and getting run over by a car. And knowing my brain, it was this really visceral, gory vision. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Why am I seeing this? And it really freaked me out because I'm so depressed and I'm seeing these kinds of things that kind of correlate with my suicidal ideation at the time. And it's, I mean, it was making me really uncomfortable, I didn't have anyone at the time to tell about it, I didn't have a therapist, and I'm just like, oh my god, I, I am losing my mind. What is happening to me? But then, I learned that this is just your brain's way of protecting you. It's just like, hey, walking next to the street is dangerous. Be careful. Personally, I would prefer a message like that to flash in front of my eyes instead of this frankly gruesome imagery. But hey, my brain is trying, A for effort, but knowing that these intrusive thoughts aren't actually like what I want to do or what is going to happen to me, that, that's very helpful to me. So all these fears that you might have are just your brain trying to protect you, whether that's from mortal danger or emotional pain. So be gentle with yourself. Whether we admit it or not, we all struggle with fears on some level, and I think fear is a central, defining part of being human. It's how we survived for thousands of years to even get to this point where I'm talking to you over a podcast. Being afraid is seen as something that's weak. Oh, you're afraid of the dark? Like, yeah, I'm afraid of the dark. You have stuff jump out at you and tell me you're not afraid. It's not weak. That's my brain trying to protect me. And while I don't think that just exposing yourself to your fear over and over is helpful, I do think that facing your fear and realizing you're perfectly fine afterwards does have its value. So when I'm walking through my house at night and literally nothing happens to me, helpful. When I'm walking through my house at night and I hear clapping upstairs and no one's upstairs, that's not helpful to me. But more on that in my scary stories halloween episode and on that note we are about at the end of our time together i will see you guys in a couple of tuesdays in the meantime you can follow me on twitter and facebook at right c brown w-r-i-t-e c brown or follow the podcast on twitter and instagram at Your so quiet pod y-o-u-r-e so quiet pod you can also visit my blog and website at cbrownauthor.com And as always, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help out your favorite introvert, which is me, obviously. Okay, talk to you later.